Hello, and welcome to the Boston Health Podcast. I'm Ryan Seekin, uh, and as usual, I am joined uh, by my co-host, uh, Jen Crowley. Uh, good morning, Jen. Welcome. Hello, Ryan. It's great to be here with you today, as always. That is two days in a row that we have not said, how are you? I think, it, yeah. I think we should keep track of this. I think we need to keep this yeah. as a running streak to see how many days in a row we can do that. But I do, I admit, it is not easy. Uh, I have to consciously remind myself, you know, to turn off autopilot salutations and try to be a little more creative. Excellent. Well, well done <laughs> to both of us today. So yes. what's on our agenda for today? <laughs> Well, uh, here's a topic I, I, I was actually thinking of you uh, about because I think when you first started at Medaptis, I think it was 2010, um, and I was one of the first people to interview you, and I don't know if you remember this, um, and I was struck because uh, I, we were, you know, talking to a few different, you know, hospital medicine, you know, informatics type providers um, who were interested in a, a CMO role. Um, and uh, you, you know, you, you were very unique in that you had this real interest in mobile technology. Um, and uh, it was, you know, it made you a standout, you know, since, since then, you know, our, the Medeptis, you know, mobile charge, ca charge capture platform. Um, you know, was, was significant. Um, so for, I always thought of you as a, you know, in terms of mobility and, and, and providers and computing, you know, you always struck me as, as that that has to have been a real passion of yours at some point. Um, so I always align you to sort of a, a big Apple fan in my head. I don't, I don't know if that's, that's accurate or not, but iPhone 12 is out you know, we're in a pandemic, but but people still want their their new iPhones. So just wondering, um, you know, where is your interest level in this this new version of the iPhone? And and do I have my are my memories correct about you? Uh, a, a techno I don't want to say a technophobe. That's not what I want to call. No, technophile. It. Technophile. Thank you. Stay yeah. Corrected. Yes. So wow. So okay. So a bunch of things to unpack. So um, I. I, I think you've got the time about right in terms of when I started with Medaptis. Um, I have to say, I don't know that I remember my interviews when I was there because it was a long time ago, but it certainly has the ring of truth, the things that you're saying, uh, because I have always had an interest in technology. I mean, I will tell you that back in when I was in medical school, so this was in maybe 1996, I used to use the Newton message pad which was kind of the first Apple foray into the handheld device category. And it could actually read your handwriting. And I used to use that to write my notes on my patients. And then I would beam them to the infrared printer in the ICU to be able to print them off and then stick them in the chart as my progress notes. So you have correctly remembered that I have always been a bit on the uh, technophile side. I mean, I used to even teach courses to other physicians about how to use their handhelds back in the day when everybody was using Palm Pilots. And um, I used to you know, do that at the annual meeting for the American College of Physicians, did that a bunch of years in a row. It was definitely something that I enjoyed doing. Um, that all ended up stopping, you know, probably right around the time that the iPhone came out. And I think it was such a revolution in usability for people that all of a sudden, even people that in general are relatively technophobic, like physicians tend to be, even they could just pick up their iPhone and just kind of use it because it was intuitive and it was designed well and it was made for people to use it without training. And so I think the need for teaching physicians about this stuff kind of 
um, waned a bit. Um, but mm-hmm. I have maintained my, you know, continued interest in technology during all of this, which I think is a fitting given that we are a technology company and we use our technology to help, you know, our physicians and other providers to kind of overcome the obstacles that are kind of placed in front of them as they work. So you're taking, we're going to go back to something you said, um, you got the, you're, you're taking notes there and you're Newton and, and uh, you're beaming them across the room. I mean, were, were other people and other, maybe other doctors looking at you just like a whippersnapper? You and know, must have been, they all thought it's been quite something then, you know, they all thought it was, describing. A little, yeah, they all thought it was a little strange. Um, you know, one of the things that the, one of the advantages for doing it for me was that I could keep my progress note from the prior day and edit it and then, you know, update it and then, you know, use that as my kind of template for the note the next day. But of course, you know, you start to run into some of the very same issues that we're still seeing today, right? I mean, this is almost 25 years later and we're still seeing some of the same copy and paste errors that people are running into in, you know, EHRs today. So it's interesting where I had to be very careful to, you know, avoid those kind of errors. And you would think that we would have something in place to kind of help people avoid that. And yet, 25 years later, we still have the same issues. So it was, it, it was, a, it was a real, you know, looking at the technology and physicians in microcosm. Because on the one hand, I was the early adopter. On the other and you had these kind of other people who were kind of more on the late adopter end of the curve who were looking at me like I was crazy for what I was doing. You know, there were hurdles right. that I had to overcome from medical records when people were wondering about what's this note you're putting in the chart and it's not on regular progress note paper and it looks different than what everybody else is doing and you have to have approval to be able to do that. And so there were, you know, regulatory hurdles that I had to get through in order to kind of implement this technology. And then of course there were, there were downsides to it that, you know, we're still struggling with today. And so it was a really interesting, you know, case study, you know, with an N of one of looking at, you know, how, <laughs> you know, physicians and technology can interact in ways to potentially uh, improve patient care, um, while at the same time revealing some of the pitfalls that go along with it as well. Yeah. Uh, so how did, did you buy, buy the Newton? I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm going to go back to this. Um, yeah. It, it, was it, it must have been very expensive. Um, you know, the funny thing is the prices on the Newton, they're probably fairly similar. God, I mean, I, I'd have to look back and see what it is. Probably a little bit cheaper than buying an iPhone is today, although, of course, it was 25 years ago, so inflation uh, is there. I think, I think that Newton was probably around 500 bucks if, I were gonna, if you're going to pin me down and, and make me come up with a number. Um, and, you know, it, I think you're the only person I know that's had a user experience with a Newton, so that's, that's why I'm, I'm just taking advantage to learn what I can. Well, and, you know, the original Newton wasn't that great. Like there was a, there were a couple of versions of it that had come out before the, I got the one that I got, which was, uh, I think it was the message pad 2000. I think if I remember the bottle um, and it was big. Like, you know, if you think about like the white coats, the doctors wear and those big pockets right. that are on the outside of the white coat, it like filled up one of those whole pockets. So it's not, it was not the kind of thing that like a normal person, <laughs> and I use that term really, um, would be able to carry in their pocket of their routine clothing. Um, right. But the handwriting recognition on it was actually quite good um, because they used uh, a thing called graffiti, which if anybody remembers their Palm Pilots, yes. yeah, was, yes. the, was the handwriting tool that was me. available. Um, you know, it's so funny to think about how media can affect things. But, you know, back in the day, if you remember the comic strip, like when there were comic strips and newspapers, um, Doonesbury 
had a whole series of strips about, I don't know, one of the main characters getting a Newton and how bad the handwriting recognition on it was. And in some ways, I wonder how much influence that actually had on the, the market for these things, because people are like, oh, the handwriting recognition is terrible. You know, how are you going to be able to use this you know, device without a keyboard? Um, what was also interesting, I will say, about that Newton message pad that I had is the processor in that device was actually the very fastest processor that Apple made at the time. So it was it was more powerful processor in that message pad than was in their best computers. And, and it kind of goes to show, you know, kind of what was going on in the computer industry in terms of right. these chips getting smaller and smaller and faster and faster. And, you know, when you look at your phone now and the, whether it's an Apple or it's a whatever, a, an Android device of any kind, you know, the processing power that goes into one of those things is enormous compared to what, you know, computers that used to be, you know, the size of your living room used to be. Right. It's, it is significant. Uh, the, the compression, the size compression, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and so anyway, so yes, you have also correctly sussed out that I am, I am in the Apple camp. And I understand that there's a lot of people that aren't. And I understand there's, there's a bunch of downsides to Apple that people talk about, and they're too expensive for what they are. And that there's other newer features that come out on these Android devices first, but Apple people don't even realize that they're out there. I mean, I get all that stuff. But in a household that I live in with my two children and my wife and my mother-in-law, and you know, when I think about how many iPhones and iPads and MacBooks that are in this house, you know, veering out of the Apple ecosystem to pick up an Android device of some kind would just create so many headaches that it's just not worth um, even kind of going down that road. So, and plus I like them. I like the Apple devices. I mean, I have my iPhone, I have my iPad, I have my MacBook and they all work well together and I like them. So yes, I am deeply in the Apple camp. Is, is there an iPhone 12 um, in your future, any of your children's future, perhaps? Well, not my children. My children are 11 and 13, and I think they are going to be happy with the devices that they have, hopefully, for the next several years. And they are not going to get an iPhone 12, hopefully, until at least like the, iTunes, I, the iPhone 14 comes out. Um, <laughs> okay. But the iPhone 12 is definitely in my future. Um, you know, I, I, it kind of surprises me. I guess it shouldn't, but I've kind of become one of those people that I want the new phone every year. And I know, yes. I know it's not cost That's you. I know, I know it's not cost effective. <laughs> I know I spend too much money on my stupid phone and I could use this phone for another year, but I've somehow managed to convince myself that by two years, I'm going to want to get a new phone anyway, because it'll be older and not working <laughs> as well. And if I'm going to get one every two years, I may as well just get on their silly little phone plan where, you know, you get a new phone every year. So I understand yeah. that it's probably not a good idea. I understand that I'm kidding myself, that I'm paying too much money, blah, 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 blah. I like having the new phone. So yes, I'm getting it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, um, what's the major improvement? Is there, I, I should look at it, but see, I'm, I'm, I decided there's while you're describing, you know, your, you know, yes, I'm getting it. I'm the, I'm not that type of phone person. I'm like, yes, I'll take the, 30 month plan. <laughs> and uh, I will, you know, treat my phone, I will take good care of it. And then, you know, when I am paid out, I will come back at an upgrade. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm aware, you know, that the, the around the iPhone 12, just, you know, from all the, the media coverage. 
but you know, I don't really get in the weeds because I know, um, well, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to have to wait another year because you know that's that's sort of my wiring on that. Sure, and you know, I have to say, I don't even know for sure, you know, how if if any kind of routine user, including myself, of this phone will notice a significant difference. You know, from what they say, you know, from what you read, it's more waterproof or more resistant. The cameras are better, even better than they were before. The screen is better. The the case, you know, like the actual hardware of the phone itself is more secure and more resistant to damage from dropping. Um, the the chip that runs it is, you know, faster and better and the right. screen is better. So it's all better, faster, stronger. I got it. Right, right, right. But I don't know that there's any <laughs> groundbreaking stuff. Now, I don't know. They have some interesting right. thing they're talking about that they're like, you can use LiDAR on the phone to like... Um, create 3D mapping of like the space that you're in to then be able to use that with augmented reality stuff to better do that. But I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I haven't used any augmented reality apps on my phone as it is. I don't, I don't know what I would even use that for. If it's a way for people to advertise more to me, I'm not interested. Um, you know, I guess if there were games or there were, you know, activity, you know, some kind of application that actually really used the, the augmented reality and that was helpful, then sure, that sounds like that'd be great. But I, I don't know that there's anything that's really pushing me to get this other than, you know, it's time for the new phone. Yeah, it's a new shiny thing. That's right. I like new shiny things, especially when they're phones. Yeah, huh. I do. Of too. course, I still have to wait because the, while the, the iPhone 12 is available, the, the, 12 Pro Max is not even available for pre-order. And I like the big screen because my stupid old eyes, um, mm -hmm. they, don't, yeah. they don't work as well as they once did. And even with my glasses, no. I find I like having more landscape on my screen. So I, I haven't taken to like jacking up the size of all the fonts on my phone, but I still like more landscape on the phone. And since, I don't know, I can fit it in my back pocket anyway, I just go ahead. Or when I'm right. at, at work, you know, my scrubs have a nice side pocket on the legs you know that i can wear it makes it very easy for me to like put my drop my phone in there that i, I prefer the bigger phone yeah now i do too for the same reason uh the eyes are just changing and um i've never had an ipad you know i just always use my my phone you know for reading or you know just you know reading articles scrolling through things shopping even so and i know i i feel like i'm i've, I've probably We've all probably done a fair amount of damage to our eyes with our phones. You know, Maybe that'll be interesting. I, yeah, I don't. Down, you know, I don't know. Many that, decades from now. Yeah, I don't know that there's any data on that. I, I think, as a matter of fact, okay. I think the data all. And again, I'm I'm kind of talking out of my head here, so I don't know for sure. And uh, and uh, I guess maybe it's something for me to look into. But if I remember correctly, I don't think there's any evidence of screen watching damaging your eyes literally in any way, shape, or form. Like all those wife tales about, oh, don't sit too close to the TV, you'll hurt your eyes or anything. I don't think any of that is true. It's kind of like, no. you know, you know, you're just using your eyes, right? It's like they're seeing things and you're right. using them. Now, you know, the question about whether the light from the screens interferes with sleep patterns, I think there is some evidence to show that it can. And so that's why they kind of recommend, you know, kind of avoiding those kind of uh, using screens in bed because it can help, it, it can interfere with sleep. Um, but I don't think it actually causes any damage. I think that's just getting older, which I seem to be doing every day. 
see this is this is why some talking to you can be difficult because anyone else would have been like oh yeah definitely <laughs> well i like being You're not getting older <laughs> it's your phone <laughs> thanks for the reality check <laughs> yeah you know i could be polite and say oh yeah yeah it's no, your phone that's doing no, it and, no. and, and avoid the age but you know give it to me straight doc. that's right okay no sense in sugarcoating it we got to face reality right, right. That's right. Yep. Yep. I appreciate that. You know, I will say one other thing that is that is very much intriguing me, and I, it doesn't really relate specifically to the iPhone 12, but it is coming from Apple, which is this new thing that they that they're including in the health app on the phone, which is this health records um, section. I don't even know what you call it for for as part of the the health app. So the idea behind this, I think, is that you as a provider can talk to your EHR vendor and have them do something to set it up so that the patients can download information securely from the EHR onto their phone. And so regardless of which different healthcare providers they're using, which hospitals they mm -hmm. go to, which EHRs they are, they can then start to keep a central repository for all of their health information, regardless of which provider and which, you know, EHR they're using, which to me seems like a fantastic idea. You know, one of these things that we've run into all the time is, and again, people are trying to do better, but all of these EHRs tend to be closed ecosystems and it can be very difficult. You know, if I was using, you know, and I won't mention any names, but um, if I was using EHR A, at, you know, when I was a patient at one hospital and then I went to a different hospital where they were using EHRB, it would be very difficult to get the information from one of them to the other in any kind of reasonable manner. And certainly for me as the patient, it's going to be very hard for me to get all that info and keep it in one place and keep it in a way that's kind of accessible and usable and makes sense. And so I'm, I'm very pleasantly encouraged that Apple is doing this because you know, as I mentioned, they're very good in general at usability and um, helping people to be able to do this. And if they can do something to be able to help people centralize all of the data on their health from all their different providers and all the different EHRs that are out there and keep it in one place that's accessible and readable and usable. Well, I mean, that seems like an enormous win and I would love to see it. Is this PHRS? Would you call it a PHR, personal health record, or just we're looking, that's that's too narrow since this is more of a repository, but I'm with you. It is, you know, I always thought PHRs uh, were too early. Um, the technology wasn't supportive and, um, you know, uh, medical data, medical records, it's a lot, it's, it's hard to keep track of. Um, they're often large files. They come via fat, you know, there, there's a lot to it. And I agree having, you know, having um, someone like Apple that has, um, is proven, you know, in terms of design and usability and kind of the overall trustworthiness of, you know, storing data with them. Um, it, it does sound very exciting. Yeah. And I think it kind of is, I mean, when you're talking about a personal health record, I mean, I think the idea is it also is going to happen automatically so that you don't have to like, okay, so now I got this lab result. Now I'm going to open up my app and then type right. these things in. It's I'm going right. to, when I go to the hospital, right. I'm going to, when I register or whatever it is, I, I don't even know exactly quite how it works yet, but right. there'll be some way that I can Opt write in and then I can some... point my phone's health record at the EHR app. Yep. And then everything that I do over there will start downloading 
and then it will all kind of collate itself into all of these different you know sections that I can then look at and then I'll just have this nice longitudinal look at all of my medical records over time um it yeah look I will tell you this stuff this stuff really helps uh, you know and we're probably starting to run a little bit long but I will say one other anecdote is of course I also have an Apple Watch, right? <laughs> because you know why wouldn't I? Um, and right. I will tell you that I have had multiple patients that have come into the emergency department because their Apple Watch told them that they were having an abnormal heart rhythm and they needed to come in and be seen. Really? Yes. And they've come into the hospital. They've come into the emergency room and they have in fact had an abnormal heart rhythm and it has required treatment. And I have put them on treatment for it. And so, you know, we have these cases now where you know for example they come in and they're because their watch told them they had atrial fibrillation which is an abnormal heart rhythm that among other things puts you at risk for stroke and you have to be on certain medications or your stroke risk mm -hmm. is very high and so i was able to have take yeah. these patients who were not having symptoms whose apple watch told them they had afib i put them on medications and potentially prevented them from having a stroke and if they didn't have that apple watch and they didn't get to told that they were an AFib, then maybe the first way they presented would have been with a stroke and had permanent disability from it. So I'm hopeful that as we start, you know, collecting more data and collating that data and having access to that data, that we can actually really help to improve care for patients. I mean, just the simple ability, if a patient comes to me in the ER and they've got medical records on their phone from when they were in the hospital in Florida last year, that makes a big difference to me in terms of being able to treat them well. And so I'm very encouraged that this Absolutely. works well, that it can really improve care for patients. All excellent points. Well, maybe that's a good point for us to go out on for now. Um, I realize we ran a little bit long today compared to what we normally do, but I don't know, you get me talking about things I like, I have a hard time stopping, um, but, um, <laughs> Why don't we stop here and uh, and we'll pick up the conversation next time? Yeah, I have a I have some podcasts I want to talk to you about. Oh, so. you're finally Looking dipping your toes in the podcast yeah. water. Very nice. Maybe. Very nice. Maybe, maybe. Well, you'll you'll have to right. fill me in next time. Will do. I'll All right. Thanks then. so much, Jen. Bye bye. Yep.